0: Good morning, church. If we, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, glad to see you guys all making friends. If you could just go ahead and take a seat, I'm gonna lead us this morning in our scripture before Pastor Josh gets up here and starts preaching. Um, we're gonna be. I'm Paige, by the way. I'm a partner with Flourishing Grace. I don't know what I'm doing. I was texted to be here, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Um, So there's a blue Bible in the seat in front of you. If you could go ahead and grab that. Be careful to not rip the cover off. Ask me how I know. Um, And we're going to be in page 981, and we're going to be reading 1 John verses 1 through 5. So once you turn there, if you're able, if you could please stand for the reverence of the Word. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paige. I was wondering who ripped the covers off of all of our Bibles. <laughs> we got these sweet new seat racks. Turns out they eat the covers off the Bibles. Didn't work out very well. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. I feel like every time I talk, there's a ring at the end. Good? Okay, cool good to be back with you guys. Um, So I've been gone for the past two Sundays, and so I get to come back and and preach again. It's so good to be back. And and yes, we are in the season of Advent, as we've already talked about this morning, but the season where we look at the first coming of Jesus, and we look forward to the second coming of Jesus, right? Advent uh, just comes from the Latin word Adventus, which simply means Coming right, this is these weeks leading up to Christmas where we pause in this kind of unique space to look back at the coming of Christ and look forward uh, to his second coming. And and last week, Benjur kind of took us through those first few verses in John chapter one. We're going to be walking through John one all through the weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas Eve, where, of course. The Word becomes flesh. Can't wait for Christmas Eve here at Flourishing Grace. Uh, But this morning, we're just going to focus in on those last two verses that Paige read, right? That in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, okay? That's what we're going to focus in on this morning. And as we do, as we do, I want to ask you this question, right? What... Do you long for more than you long for anything else in the world? What do you long for more than you long for anything else? Like what if you could get one thing for Christmas and it could be anything, like any magical thing, the waving of Santa's magical hand, right, and you could get whatever you want, what would it be? What is your greatest longing, your greatest desire, what is your greatest hope? Well, what do you want more than you want anything else? in the world what is that thing for you what what is the thing that you lay in bed at night thinking about what is the thing that uh, you've you've maybe shed tears over I, I don't know what that thing is for you and i think if we went around the room we would realize that i mean that that thing is probably different for almost every single person in the room but here's what i know here's what here's what would be the the, the theme of all people in this room whatever that thing is It is the thing that you believe is going to make you the most happy. Whatever that thing is, it's the thing that you believe is going to make you the most happy. And every single one of us in this room, every single one of us are pursuing that thing. The thing that we believe is going to make us the most happy. I love how Pascal puts it. If you've been around Flourishing Grace, you've heard me read this quote before, but I'll read it again and probably again and again. Pascal puts it this way. The great mathematician, philosopher, theologian, he says, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war... In others, avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. It is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. Every human being on the planet at all times, is pursuing the things that they believe are going to make them the most happy. Whatever that great, deep desire of your life is, or even the small little things every single day, right? Choosing the donut over the banana, right? Every day, right? What's going to make me the most happy right now in this moment? We're always, we're always moving towards the thing that we believe is going to make us the most happy. This is without exception, Augustine, the great theologian, put it this way. He said, every man whatsoever his condition desires to be happy. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter what, what kind of house you live in or what kind of box you live in. Every man desires to be happy. He also said this, Augustine said, for who wishes anything for any other reason than that that he may become happy. It's the reason, it's the, it's the source of every desire, every wish we have is rooted in our desire for happiness. The great Puritan preacher Jonathan Edwards put it this way. He said, There is no man upon the earth who isn't earnestly seeking after happiness. And it appears abundantly by the variety of ways they so vigorously seek it, they will twist and turn every way, ply all instruments to make themselves Happy men. This is a universal theme. And every great theologian and philosopher has picked up on this theme. That every single person in this room, you are constantly pursuing happiness. I am constantly pursuing the things that I believe are gonna make me most happy. Why is this a universal theme? Why is this true? Why can I say this is true for every single person in this room? And know for a fact it is. You see, I believe that you and I, we were created to be happy. We were created to be full, to be fulfilled. We were not created for longings. We were not created for the great desires. We were not created for sorrow and mourning and and, and to desire that those things would cease, that they would end. We were designed, we were created to be filled In the garden, Adam and Eve, before they ate from the fruit of the tree, were they happy? Were they happy? Yes. So did they eat from the fruit of the tree because they were unhappy? No. Then why did they eat from it? You see, they were convinced of the most devilish of lies, that there is happiness, that there is light in life, outside of God. And what I want you to see this morning, and this is a hard thing to see, it's harder than you, can, than you think at first, is that that's not true. There is no light and there is no life outside of Christ. And there is no happiness there. There is no joy, there is no fulfillment. Those things do not exist outside of him. As we seek light and life and other things, things other than Jesus, we are only led deeper and deeper into the darkness. And this is what happens with Adam and Eve. They're convinced that in some way or form, that there's light and life, that there's joy outside of God. The serpent tells them, your eyes will be opened. You will become like God. There's something greater beyond God. There's something more out there. And they take it and they eat. And in that moment, what are they led into? Darkness. For the first time ever, they experience darkness. The sin, the curse of sin and death is the darkness. Here's what happens to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 16. To the woman, God says, this is the curse to the woman. He turns to the woman and says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Ladies, is that dark? I, I don't know. I'm not, I think it is. From what I hear, That's darkness. All right, and pain and sorrow. Now there's pain and sorrow in the world. The darkness of pain, the darkness of sorrow. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. The darkness of division has entered the world, and he shall rule over you. The darkness of oppression has entered into the world. These things did not exist in the light and life of God. But now that they've entered into the darkness, they, they, they now exist. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Even the earth, the, our surroundings, our, our, the habit in, where, so the, in which we live is now Cursed. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Right. So our work is now darkness. Our work is now this thing that brings us longing that, 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 that never satisfies and even our purpose, our meaning from you are dust and to dust you return, there is no meaning, there is no significance. It's all darkness. And we wander about in this. The curse of sin is the source of all darkness. And everyone is trying to overcome this darkness. Everyone's trying to find life. Every human being on the planet is pursuing this. This is without exception. We want out. There is a deep longing in every human being to feel accepted, to feel whole, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And we grope about in the darkness trying to find a way out, trying to find a way out of the curse. And every ad on your Instagram scroll, every commercial on YouTube, every billboard is taking advantage of our desire to be free of the darkness. We're sold and convinced every day. That maybe, maybe if I just make enough money, I'll overcome the darkness. Maybe, maybe if I have the right friends, I can overcome the darkness. Maybe if I could just get to the next level of my career, I could overcome the darkness. Maybe if I could just get to the point where I could retire and see the world, then I would overcome the darkness. I would be fulfilled, and I'd be happy, and there'd be joy. But here's the thing. Many of us in the room, you've actually attained that thing. You've actually worked and worked and worked and you've gotten the thing that in the past you thought, if I could just get there, then I would be happy. You attained it, you got there. And for a moment, maybe you were satisfied. And then in the next, there was another thing out there in the distance that you thought was gonna make you happy. And you're led, listen to me, you're led deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkness. Solomon, King Solomon tested this idea. In fact, he made it like the mission of his life. King Solomon was the richest king of Israel who had ever lived. He had endless wealth, endless wealth. And so he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to see. I'm going to see. Is there anything in this world that actually fulfills? Anything in this world that actually satisfies? And I love Ecclesiastes chapter two. Um, Solomon says, I'm just going to go for it. Like, go for it. Right? This man has more money than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos combined. He's just like, and I'm just going to go for it. Like, whatever I want, I'm just going to buy it. Whatever, whatever my heart desires. Here's what he says in um, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. He says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. And for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, And this was my reward for all my toil. He says, listen, anything I see, I'm just going to buy it. Anything that my heart's like, I kind of want that. I'm just going to buy it. And so what does he end up with? He ends up with like all these women, hundreds of women, right? All his crazy animals from all over the world. Like he's got peacocks and monkeys. And he's like, I don't know. Monkey sounds fun. He just buys it. Like, whatever he wants, he just goes for it. He just collects all these things, and he's like, that's not enough. And so he begins to build buildings. He gets into architecture and these huge, immaculate gardens and palaces. Anything he wants, he just goes for it. The very next verse, verse 11, he says this. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was Vanity, meaningless. It's all meaningless, and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I tried. I gave it. I gave it everything I had, and I had a lot to give. And it was just striving. I tried to fulfill the longings. I tried to satisfy the desires, and it was striving after the wind. I just couldn't. I couldn't grasp it. No matter how. No matter what I did, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get my hands on the things that would actually fulfill me. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. There's only one source. Here's what Solomon goes on to say later in that same chapter. In verse 24, he says this, This also I saw, is from the hand of God for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment you see solomon's conclusion is simply this god alone sustains us and god alone fulfills us who can eat Solomon says, listen, if it's not for God, watering the the crops, if it's not for God, there is no no food for the cattle, there's no beef on my table, there's there's no vegetables to eat. If it's not for God, I can't survive. I can't be sustained. But then also, if it's not for God, there is no joy. All of the things that I find any amount of actual joy and delight in are from His hand. He sustains us and he fulfills us. He is the life and the light. He is the source of both things. All the things that we need and all the things that we desire find their end in him and him alone. He is the life and he is the life. The deepest longing of the human heart is for the light and life of Christ the deepest things that you long for, the source of it all, is Jesus. Jesus is the source of all life and life. And if that's true, if it's true, and I believe it's true, if Jesus is the source of all light and life, then nothing else is. Think about it for a minute. If Jesus is the source of all light in all life, and I believe that this is what John is arguing, and I believe it's true. And if it is true, then nothing else is. C- can you wrap your mind around it? Because I, I don't think we can. I think we struggle to wrap our minds around this, to actually believe this. But this is the whole theme of John's gospel. That Jesus is the source of all light and life. He leads off with it right here in in chapter 1. In him was life and that life was the light of men. But then in John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The thing that's going to fulfill your greatest hunger. The thing that's going to fulfill your greatest desire. I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. The thing that you long for, the thing that's going to lead you out of your anxiety, the thing that's going to lead you out of your depression and lead you out of the darkness. I am the light of the world. He says, whoever will, follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Come live after me. Follow my way. John 4, uh, the woman of the well right? Jesus says to her, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The thing that's going to actually quench the thirst of your heart It's Christ. He is the source of all life and all life and it flows out of him to us. The life of Christ is the light that all men seek I love the way the great Puritan preacher John Owen puts it. He says this, he says, Oh, to behold the glory of Christ, here in what I live and here in what I die, here on what I dwell in all my thoughts and affections until all things here below in this life, in this earth, until all things here below become as dead and deformed things and in no longer in any way call out for my affection.'" Every day, every moment, the things of the darkness are calling out to you. Every moment of every day, the darkness calls out and says, I will fulfill you. I will satisfy you. This is the great lie of Satan. And you, like Eve and like Adam, you reach for them. I reach for them constantly trying to satisfy ourselves with lesser things, things that have no life and no light, we give value to, believing that in some way, shape or form, they can satisfy us. But if Jesus is the only source of light and life, they can never satisfy. The things of this world can never satisfy. Not our friendships, Not our relationships, not our marriages, not not our children, not our careers, not our homes, our possessions. None of it can be life and life if Jesus is the source of all of it. So, how do we live free of this? How do we we walk in this truth? How, how How do we live? How do I live free? How, how do I come to the place where, where I, I, I abandon all of the things of this world and I count them all as rubbish, as nothing, as Paul says, and, I, say, and I, I actually live as though this is true, that Jesus is the source of all life and life. How do I free my heart from the darkness of this world? How do I stop it from wandering about in things that are ultimately meaningless, things that are ultimately never satisfy me, How do we stop this? I want to give us three things this morning real quick, and then we'll be done. First, um, I I think we just must, we got to slow down. In order to experience any of these three things, I'm going to give you three things. But first, in order to actually experience them, we must slow down. Our pace of life is doing violence to our ability to, to draw near to Jesus. Our pace of life, is robbing us from experiencing the light and life of Christ. And there's no time, there's no time like Advent, that that does as much violence to our relationship as Jesus. Okay, let let me say that again. There's no time in our our calendar year like Advent that does as much violence to our relationship with Jesus. Okay, I I know Advent's like all about Jesus, but it's not, right? It's like the Christmas Can-Can song. You guys know that one? Christmas, Christmas time is here. Shopping, 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 shopping. You guys know the song? Go listen to it after this. That's Advents. okay? It's just speed and pace and fullness and craziness. just go, 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 right? Because we got we got this kid's school song, cantata thing on this night, and this kid's school thing on this choir thing, and then we got this Christmas party, and we got this Christmas dinner, and then we got to go do these tradition things, and Santa's going to come to... Gateway, and then he's going to come down the lift at Park City, and then he's going to come uh, to City Creek, and we got to see it all. Like, and we got to go to this drive through light show down there, we got to go to this drive through light show over here, and it's like, every night of the week there's another thing. And it's just like, go, 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 right? All the time. That's Advent. And we can never slow down enough to actually experience Jesus. It. Listen to me Advent's a lie. The season's a lie. That all these traditions and all the lights and all the presents are going to fulfill you. There is no light in life in any of it. It can't be if it's all in Christ. None of it will fulfill. None of it will bring lasting joy. But we move too fast to actually acknowledge that. The first thing we need is presence. We need presence. The presence of Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love this because, listen, John changes his tense, right? Did you notice that? He says, in him was, past tense, life, and that life was, past tense, the light of men. But then he says this, the light shines. Right now, this moment, Jesus is shining into the darkness, this hour, this moment, I don't care what your life has been like this year. I don't care how dark it's become. I don't care who you've lost or how much money you've lost. I don't, I don't care what's going on. The light is shining in the darkness. And maybe you're moving too fast that you can't see it, but the light is shining in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. It's shining right now in your life. The presence of Jesus is available to you right now. Now he's here, if you'll just slow down enough. I love how uh, John Piper, John Piper was a a pastor uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I love how he puts it, he says this. He says, the great enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, with the primetime dribble of triviality that we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do, when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, from his presence. He pulls this from Luke 14. It's a piece of land, a yoke of an ox and a wife. It's it's our it's our wealth, our possession, it's our work, and it's our relationships. We fill our lives with all these things that seem normal and seem right. It's not that I'm watching the X-rated video. It's that I'm going to the 15 light shows. That's what Piper's saying, is that we can't slow down. We can't stop. We can't turn it off and just be still, be present. Advent is a season, a moment where we're freed up. This is why at Flourishing Grace we only do two things in Advent. We go serve together, and we hang out on Christmas Eve together. That's it. We don't. So many churches are like, "Let's do this thing. Let's do that thing. Let's do that." It's like, no. I don't want to put one more thing on your plate. I don't want to put one more thing on your calendar. I want to free you from that. And so we put out Advent resources, right? Advent devotionals, um, and they, they're out in the lobby, and you can grab one today. Here's the thing: all the women's ones, the women's ones are for women. They're gone. The ladies picked them all up. They bought them. But the ones for the fellas. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. There's a lot of men's devotionals left out there. And then we were selling them. And then some anonymous donor, I don't know who, said, I just want to buy them all so that you guys can give them away. So all of the Advent resources, there's some out there for families. And there's a bunch out there for men, fellas, (laughs) talking to you. And they're amazing. They're awesome. I brought one up here. This thing is so cool. There's like all kinds of like, Sweet stuff in here that you can do with your family, with your kids, um, some recipes for you to make some cool manly things. These are free for you. And they're out there. And somebody said, man, I want to get these in the hands of people of flourishing Grace so that you can slow down and make some time. So I want to challenge you. If you have more than one Advent thing a week, one Christmas tradition thing a week, I want you to kill the rest. Some of you are just like freaking out right now. And I know, I get it. More than one is too many. You need to slow down and make space in your day, this Advent season, to enjoy and delight in the presence of Jesus because the light is shining into your darkness, but you might be moving too fast to even see it. Next thing is thankfulness. Thankfulness, again, our speed and our consumption of all the things of this world, we're never actually thankful. We're never actually full. We're never actually satisfied because we're constantly just consuming all the things of the world, the things that never satisfy. But when we slow down enough to actually be thankful, to slow down enough to say, wait a second, everything I have in my life is a gift from his hands. We begin to realize how much we actually have. We slow down enough to say, "Man, this is so good. My life is so good. My children, my friends, my family, all of these things that will never actually satisfy, the, the joy that I have in my life, it's a gift from him anyways. All the things that I have, but we're moving so fast that we can't see it, and so therefore we're constantly hungry, constantly longing, never actually realizing there's a huge feast in front of us. If we would just slow down and give thanks. And so in Advent practice, we were actually sitting down as a family a few nights ago doing our little Advent devotional, the shadow and light one. And the question a couple nights ago was, was where do you see God moving right now in your life, right? Um, And and of course, my my kids are like, uh, my five-year-old's like, God? That's his answer to every question. He's like, no, 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 like, where do you see God moving right now? You're like, God? No, 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 but where do you see him moving in your— Yeah, never mind, forget it. Um, Desiree, where do you see God moving? Yeah. Uh, where do you see God moving in your life right now? And it causes you, that question alone causes you to slow down. To pause for a second. Say, hey, think about my life, think about my days, think about my week. Where is God moving in my life right now? What if for the next few weeks of Advent, every day, you sat down, just curl up by the Christmas tree for a minute and said, where do I see God moving in my life right now? And you just wrote down five things every day that you see God doing and you just pray a prayer of thanks. Just a little bit of pace. Just slow it down just a little bit to be thankful. And suddenly, you'll begin to realize, oh, the new thing I want for Christmas, that's actually not what's gonna satisfy because he, he's already satisfying every longing of my heart. He's already satisfying every desire that I actually have. And I don't need more because he's enough for me. Presence thankfulness. And finally, future hope. Advent is about looking back and reflecting on all that Christ has done, but it's also about looking forward to the second coming of Christ and all that he's yet to do, right? Yes, the light is shining in the darkness, but friends, here is the truth of Advent. Someday, the darkness will no longer exist. That's the beauty of the gospel. In Revelation 21, um, John is seeing this image of the second advent, the second coming, and he sees this new heavens, this new earth, and a new city, the new Jerusalem. And here's what he says of the new Jerusalem. He says in Revelation 21, verse 23, In the city, this new city, has no need for a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamp. The source of all light and life is its lamp. By its light, the nations walk. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. No more darkness. No more mourning. No more sorrow. No more tears, no more longing. You were built for that. You were made for it. To be constantly, always fulfilled. Constantly, always delighting. Totally happy. Listen to me. In him. In him. He is the source of all joy and all delight, all happiness. It's there in him. And one day we will have it fully. But in this moment... This one right now, we live in this in-between the first Advent and the second Advent. We must be a people who slow down and stop allowing our pace to do violence to our relationship with the source of everything that we long for. Can you slow down? Be present with Him. Find your thankfulness in Him. And remember that one day, all of those longings will disappear. I want to challenge you during this Advent season to write that verse down, maybe print it off, tape it to your steering wheel or your, the door in your house or as you go out and as you come in, and every day remind yourself that one day all of your longings and all of your sorrows will be brought to an end by the source of all light and all life. And if he's the source, nothing else can be. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, will come before you this morning. It, with, with treasure in our hearts, knowing that you are the source of all light in life. and life. And we we ask for your forgiveness because we don't live as though that's true. Intellectually we might nod our heads and agree, but our heart disagrees. So would you help us to slow down? Would you help us to find nearness? To you find presence, would we know that light is shining into our darkness right now, that we can draw near to you right now in this moment. You are here. And if you are here, then everything we long for is right here. It's with you. And so fill us with thankfulness. Show us where you're working. And fill us with hope. Remind us that the end of our wicked longings, the end of our lesser desires is coming. It's coming. Fill us with light and life. Help us to know and believe that it's only in you. You are the source of it all, and therefore nothing else is. I pray these things in your sweet name. Amen.